Coming up, we're going to talk about game four of the 2022 NBA Finals. You can hear from the sound of my voice. It did not turn out the way I was hoping. It's all next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Monopoly Go. It's halftime and the scoreboard's not looking good. You're not sure you can pull out a win? That's when you say to yourself, it's time to get back in the game. Pull off some bank heists and take as much of my friend's money as I possibly can. That's right. The hit mobile game, Monopoly Go, lets you compete with your friends to be the biggest tycoon ever. I might do this with my high school friends. We used to play Monopoly all the time. It's the Monopoly you love, but on your phone anytime with tons of new twists, including leaderboards to compare your progress, there's so much to do. Play on countless dynamic Monopoly boards. Make your friends bankrupt by smashing their landmarks with a wrecking ball. Charge other players rent for your iconic properties. Maybe you'll even play against me. I'm great at Monopoly. You could even work with your friends to crack open community chests and in tournaments to get extra rewards. Get back out there. Put on your game face. Download Monopoly Go. Now free on the App Store or Google Play. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. If you like the show, The Staircase on HBO Max, we're going to be breaking that down on the Prestige TV podcast this weekend. The schedule for this podcast, we have one tonight, obviously, Sunday night, and I think we're going to do Monday night after game five. So the rewatchables will be moving to Tuesday night next week. Stay tuned for that. Coming up on this pod, Rob Mahoney was at game four in Boston. Big Waz and I were not, but we are going to talk about it. An incredible. Steph Curry game. It's all next. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. Okay, taping this. It is 8.46 Pacific time. Just watch game four of the 2022 NBA Finals. I'm in LA, was in LA. Rob Mahoney is on the ground in Boston, Massachusetts for one of Steph Curry's greatest games ever. Might have even been the best. Uh, what was it like to see in the arena, Rob? Unreal. I mean, t- he's had a couple of those moments, especially here in this building in the, over these last two games where just hitting deflating shots, run-killing shots, momentum-boosting shots, obviously, for the Warriors. But... He has such a unique impact on opposing crowds. And this crowd has been so great through these two games. It's been uh, it's been kind of awesome to see him go back and forth with them a little bit over the course of especially this game four. Yeah, you could see in the first quarter he was really getting himself fired up. You know, I think there's levels of when Steph is locked in. He was charged up. He was ready to go. I think they probably took some of the crowd stuff personally from uh, from game three. But. I think you made the key point. It's such a rare kind of player who can take a crowd out of it like that. That crowd was crazy tonight. It was a drunk Friday night, <laughs> yeah. Boston crowd. I had friends that were there that were telling me the crowd was just off the change. Waz, was that the, the best Curry game ever for you? 
For me, absolutely. Um, when you consider the stakes, when you consider the opponent, right? Like, I think this Boston group is a historic level defensive unit um, collectively when you consider their, you know, collective defensive talent and their, like, execution on that. And so for him to be doing that against this this group is amazing. I don't think Steph has ever played better. It's, that's just my opinion from watching this. Yeah, it's interesting because he's been great now for really since probably the 2014 season. Mm -hmm. But there's there's just this other level. It's almost you would compare him to like a tennis player, like a Federer type of person who won majors earlier in their career. And then as they get older and older, the precision and just the little things, the sense of a moment, things like that. I thought, you know, obviously I, I love Curry. He's my favorite non-Celtic. So to say this has been bittersweet to watch him <laughs> destroy my team. Uh, you know, he's it sucks to root against him. But at the same time, like, you know, I think he's been underrated as a playoff guy. He didn't get those finals MVPs, which I think people hold on him. Durant deserved it those two years. Durant was yeah. amazing. Um, but at the same time, like Houston... Game six, 2019, after Durant went out. Incredible. And Steph sucked in the first half. And then I think he had like 30 plus 30, second yep. half. Yeah. Uh, game three, Toronto, 2019. Uh, 47? When he had 47, they lost. But it was just like Steph against the world. It was a little like tonight, except they won <laughs> tonight. Game four, 2018, 37, four and six. Game four, 2015 against Cleveland, 38. So he's... He's had the moments. I, I always thought game four, 2016, when Draymond punched LeBron on the balls near the end. But um, that game as a team, I think, was the the best realization of the pre-post-KD Warriors. But this was a different level. And the other thing is, it wasn't like he was getting a ton of help, Rob. Like, there was a little pool. Wiggins was rebounding, and the offensive rebounds were good. Clay had a couple moments, but for the most part, this was way closer to the 2015 Warriors, right? Or I, I think it was maybe even closer to what people feared the 2015 Warriors were, which is like a jump shooting only team. Because mm -hmm. the way that the Celtics can guard Draymond with Robert Williams lurking around the paint or Marcus Smart mucking up the paint, they don't get a lot going to the basket right now. It's basically whatever Steph gives you off the dribble, whatever he can he tease out of these pick and rolls or pull up from three, that's it. And so I, I want to be careful because I, I want to thread the needle here and not disparage the other Warriors too much. But I think part of what makes Steph great, and really the mark of any great player, is they could go on a run like this to the finals and they, they make it hard to tell sometimes that they're carrying the entire team. Like a lot of this, a lot of the commentary around the Warriors was, oh, Steph and Clay and Draymond are all back together. I think what's really going on is Steph has been here and has these guys on his back and they're doing great things in this game or that, but it's him. It's all him. Yeah, and my favorite part about tonight's game from Steph is like you could tell from the get-go, he's like, I got to get shots up, period. There was no hesitation. There was no... He understood that Boston was guarding the hell out of everybody else on that team and anytime he got any kind of daylight, he put that thing up and... You know, his drive game was working. At the end there, when Looney got that layup, they finally blitzed him, which I thought was a poor thing to do with Tatum being the switch guy there. They blitzed him. Draymond gets the four and three, gets Looney to layup. So even when they finally send two his way, Steph quickly gets the ball out of his hands and gets his team a layup. He was just, he was perfect tonight. He was incredible. Yeah, you know, this dates back to Davidson, right? Like, 
team. The Mar- March Madness staff, just him carrying a group. And this Warriors team is obviously, it's a good team. But the mentality of like, let's let's set up our guy. Let's set up our guy. We got to ride our guy. We got to get him open. We got to go hand off, hand off, pick. Oh, he's going to be Like there was that play when Peyton had the wide open three in the corner in the fourth <laughs> quarter. And instead of taking it, he like did this weird hop step, like save the pass and then set a pick for Steph. Steph's coming around. All they're doing all the time is just trying to figure out ways to unlock and unleash him. And they, it's it's a true team. It's really cool. I mean, you know, we've seen different kind of ball dominant teams over the years. It's not the kind of basketball I love dating back to the the Kobe, LeBron, like the, the Harden. Um, it's produced a lot of results. This is so much more inclusive, you know, and it, they've had so many years now to do it. What's interesting is they can bring in these new characters who figure out how to do it on the fly. And um, it was just spooky, some of the shit he was doing. <laughs> it really was. Like, for him to defuse that crowd was uh, was pretty nuts. What'd you feel like the Celtics kind of just said, fuck it, it's white and smart. It's Tatum and Brown and either Williams or Horford. And they made the decision to go with the two guards late. Did you agree with that, Rob? Did you, what, what could the Celtics have done there in the fourth? Well, there was a lot of weird matchup stuff going on in the fourth in general. And I think they may have found it hard to figure out what the Warriors were doing because they were almost going offense-defense subs at some points with Draymond and Jordan Poole. Yeah. And so the, the matchups are so different with Draymond on the floor. I, I'm sure we could spend a lot of time just talking about him and the predicament he's put the Warriors in in this series in general and kind of coming up in some big moments offensively late. Um, I, I don't really have a problem with them playing the two guards, especially because of who they are and they can both guard Steph and they can both be involved in those plays. It just stretches you out a little bit when... The Celtics have been so good when they can get the the offensive rebounds and when they control the glass and when they keep the Warriors off them, especially when Looney's on, on the court. I, I would hesitate to give any of that up. Was what do you think the Celtics, would you have stayed big near the end? What would have been your wrinkle? I mean, I thought Al did a pretty good, de- the best job he's done all series um, on those pick and rolls against Steph. I don't really think the defense was bad. I thought they played about as well as you can. Like I said, they had that miscommunication up top for that clay three-pointer at the top of the key. But, I mean, what the hell are you supposed to do with Steph Curry? Like, people panic sometimes. And he got it to clay and he makes a wide-open three. I think they played as... They played good defense tonight. They scored three points in the last five and a half minutes. And that's why they lost this game. Well, that's where I'm going with the lineups. So they're playing white. They have smart. Tatum just, I I don't know what happened to him second quarter on. He was really good in the first quarter and it looked like we were headed for a Steph versus Tatum game. And then all of a sudden we weren't. I think he ended up with six turnovers. I actually had him down for seven. (laughs) Um, But I thought he lost his confidence as the game went along. Jalen, they... They just were staying on him and really the most worried about him. White, smart. They seemed super happy when those guys were shooting threes. I don't know, man. I I, I just felt like the game was slipping away there. The Celts, I think, they were up 91-86. Brown hit that layup. Smart got fouled. Three-point play, basically, was smart shooting the free throw. I think that was at like the 730 mark. And after that, they were one for their next 10 with turnover. And it was just them chucking up threes. And this is like, we talked, KC and I talked about this after game three, this Jekyll and Hyde Celtics team. And you feel it when it's happening. It's like, oh, here we go. No, nobody can do anything. Hot potato, 25 footers with five seconds left in the shot clock. 
and it 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 took me to a dark place, Rob. It really did, where you start thinking like, can you win a title if you don't have the best player in the series or somebody who's within a hair of the best player in the series, right? Like the Warriors beat LeBron a couple times. LeBron was, yeah, he he was dead even with Durant uh, with uh Durant in 2017, 2018 probably slightly better. He got hurt. Um, but can you win a series when you don't have the best player in the finals? There's just not a lot of track record for it. I mean, I think the argument would be, could you win with four of the best five players in a series, basically? You know, if you yep. want to run down the list of who's been the best, I think you get to a lot of Celtics before you go to a second warrior. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, would you, Waz, would you say Wiggins is the second best warrior would at this point? Absolutely. Um, he's been their most consistent player outside of Steph the entire series. Like what he did on the boards offensive class tonight was huge to keep possessions alive. Um, obviously, you see what he's doing defensively on an island against guys like Brown and Tatum where they're decent, but they're not scoring hyper efficiently. Um, Wiggins has absolutely been the second best player on the Warriors this series, which Shocks me, honestly. Um, that I didn't think that that would be the case coming in. And, you know, we got to give some Warriors some props here. I thought the Celtics kept attacking Bielitsa, Um which, By the way, huge mistake. He's yeah, a sneaky yeah. good defender. I like, they had no scouting report on it's, that. It's a, it's a Euro bias because if Jordan <laughs> Poole is out there, I don't know how you think Bielitsa is the guy that you want to keep going at over and over. And he held up. I thought Clay Thompson... Yeah. At, you know, this, in the fourth quarter, he he guarded Jalen Brown on an island on three or four possessions and was incredible. And that 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 looked like vintage Klay Thompson defense there. So, you know, while Steph is doing everything on offense, I thought defensively these other Warriors absolutely stepped up to the plate. And, and it mattered. Like, again, like these guys, the Celtics couldn't put together a great possession down the stretch offensively. And th these guys were the reason why. I'm, I am anxiously awaiting the Jason Tatum versus Nemanja Bialica one-on-one stats for this game because he had at least two turnovers against Bialica, a couple of misses. For whatever reason, Bialica hangs in those switches pretty well. Yeah, and Clay, I thought... It's funny, after game two, Rosella and I talked about what happens if it's an, in crunch time, who are Kerr's best five going to be? And after two games, I would have said, I don't know if Clay's in there because... You know, I don't think he's moving quite the same way. And defensively, I don't think he's the same guy anymore. I thought his defense in the fourth quarter was spectacular. He really, really gave Jalen problems. And Jalen, it's so weird with the Celtics team because everybody's been in such a rush to anoint Tatum, including himself with the Kobe wristband and all that <laughs> stuff. Maybe cool it on the Kobe stuff for a game. Um, and Jalen's, as I'm watching this, just as a fan of the team, I'm I want them. I today I wanted them to get you the ball to Jalen. Jalen, yep. And he was really, I thought, torching Draymond. And we're, we'll get to Draymond in the next segment. Um, but I thought Clay, his defense on Jalen was one of the keys to the game. And then the fact that White, who I I just thought lost his confidence as uh, offensively as the game went along. And what's crazy about this game? So it, it was the only game with one day rest. That like I knew Horford was going to be affected. Horford, I think he's old. He's a lot of minutes in the playoffs, <laughs> and in general, like I think the rest really helps him. You knew he was going to get hurt. I thought Clay was going to be hurt. Clay played forty-one minutes. Like Clay yeah. looks spry. 
I don't know. And did he fly to Italy yesterday? Was what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Might have been Germany for the for the blood spinning. Who yeah. knows? Maybe some stem cells. Who knows? But no, look, Clay. Clay, as much crap as he's gotten um, for his play in at various parts of this series, he was he he's money down the stretch. Like whenever he takes a big shot, it's a tight game in the fourth quarter. You think that thing is going in? Um, Again, you can't say enough about what he did on defense's movement, opening stuff up. Because when Looney and Draymond are on the court, they just become so much easier to guard and less dynamic. And Clay is part of why there's any breathing room whatsoever. So you got to give him his props for that. Jordan Poole in the second quarter, when, when Steph sat, he had some big minutes. That dude is not lacking for confidence at all. Like, he was he was on his step thing. He was like, as soon as I get daylight while I'm in here and Steph is on the bench, this thing is going up. And he, that was a huge stretch for them. Um, just, a, just a gritty, gritty, gritty win, man. Well, and Boston wasn't hunting pool at all, which I don't understand. There's, there's some strategy stuff with the Celtics. This game especially, I, I thought Kerr was outstanding in this game. Yep. I, I mean... He just, every switch, and we'll get to the Draymond thing. Actually, this episode of Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by State Farm. People assume a team with a lot of height will use it to advance in the playoffs, but then they surprise everyone by leaning on their smaller players to speed up the game. So Steve Kerr has the big move. He says, screw it. He benches Draymond. He brought Draymond back in with under four minutes left, but Draymond was out. Yeah, for all of the fourth quarter and I thought it was going to be clay when, when Kerr really needed a game, I thought, and he has to think about how do I, how do I maybe sacrifice a little of the old dynasty? What do I, what kind of conundrum am I going to be in? But it turned out to be Draymond and Rob, I, I thought, I thought that was the right move. I thought Draymond, you know, offensively it was four on five athletically just looked a step slow. And, and I wasn't surprised Kerr did it, but I was surprised he did it. Right. It just takes an incredible amount of political capital as a coach to be able to do that in a moment like this with a player of that reputation who's that important to your franchise. Or eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Look, the eyes are one thing, but like to realistically do that to Draymond is tough. It takes stones. And and a player like him who you bench him at the wrong time, do you lose him for the series effectively? Like, is he not the same player after that? You need him to be in an aggressive headspace. But yep. the reality is Looney has been better over the course of this series, without a doubt. Like, he is, he's given the Warriors so much more of what they need in terms of defense, in terms of rebounding, most importantly, in terms the of screens. how they're guarded. The screens, absolutely. And so that's really what the starting lineup shift was about. Starting Otto Porter in this game had very little to do with Otto Porter. is more about separating Draymond and Looney in the rotation as much as they possibly could to give the offense as much room to breathe as they possibly could. And they found the right moments. Like, Kerr did find the right spots for Draymond in the end. He and, and Draymond paid off that kind of confidence, ended up with at least a high assist total, if nothing else. At least a Draymondian assist total. Uh, if he, even if he was a non-factor offensively, even if he hasn't hit a three in the series so far, at least he found some way to chip in. Yeah, and he Looney's plus 36 in the series. And I was waiting for them to do this with just looting more shooters because I thought there was going to have to be a moment in this series when they just basically had to outscore the Celtics. I know you're supposed to outscore the other team all the time, but the offense, I thought, was going to be the big thing. Could they rebound while keeping shooting out there? They had 55 rebounds tonight. 
The Celtics had 42. Rob Williams finished with 12, but I think he had 10 at halftime. And Tatum had 11 rebounds. Was if the Warriors lose this, how does Draymond handle that, in your opinion, after the game? Getting getting sat for most of the fourth quarter. It felt like, that felt he, like a do-or-die benching <laughs> by Kirk, because I do feel like that really could have gone sideways. He didn't play well, and he doesn't contribute to the thing that Golden State was struggling with, which is scoring. So yeah. it made sense that he would not play. Like, it, they played quite fine defense. They were great as a unit. Like, what they struggled with was any kind of offense outside of Steph. Like, it was literally squeezing water out of a stone, okay? And so if you if you can't score and your team is way below its offensive efficiency, I don't know what the critique is there um, on Steve Kerr for sitting a guy who is not, he's not a neutral on offense now. He is a negative against a team as capable as Boston. And so, man, again, like, you know, I, I might be stubborn and, and, and I did pick the Celtics to win this in six. I don't see Golden State's offensive woes going away anytime soon. And I still feel quite confident in my pick, Rob Mahoney. <laughs> yeah, Rob. I see what you're doing here. I see what's going on. Yeah, Rob, you picked the Warriors in five. Yeah. I know. No. <laughs> That's you not did. even what happened. It's not even what happened. I picked the Warriors in six, but I said I was thinking about the Warriors he in five. And, and Waz is holding five. Waz is holding a half take against me, and I don't appreciate it. It's like a third of a take. Well, it's like people that assume they can't afford great insurance, but then they discover that State Farm has surprises with great rates. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Get a quote today. The NBA Finals are here, so is your chance to score big on FanDuel Sportsbook. Throughout the NBA Finals, FanDuel giving new customers $200 in free bets guaranteed. Could you place your first $5 bet, bet the money line, point spreads, player props, much more. It's all at your fingertips. Plus, you could combine your bets for an even bigger payday with the same game parlay. Look, the Celtics, they zig, then they zag. And they zig. And they zag. They didn't look great in game four. Odds of them bouncing back in game five, I would say pretty good. So maybe Celtics, Tatum comeback game. You could bet the uh, 25 plus points over. Um, I don't know. Knock yourself out. Sign up with promo code BS. And if you haven't tried FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot because the only thing sweeter than watching the finals is cashing in on all the action. Join today. Promo code BS. Turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets, win or lose. Make every game feel like game seven with FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA, must be 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager of at least $5. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Connecticut, 888-789-777. In Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER. In Michigan, 800-270-7117, 1-877-770-STOP. In Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Tennessee red line is 800-889-9789. And in West Virginia, 1800-GAMBLER.net. The Draymond thing, I was doing some work when I was flying back. I was, I was looking at, you know, his stats during the peak versus where they were now. This is before the game, but he played 104 playoff games from 2015 to 2018 and was 13, 10, and 7. 
44% shooting, 31% from three, 3.7 free throw attempts, 17.1 PR. Heading into tonight, 19 playoff games this year. He was 8, 7, and 6, 20% from three, mm. 2.4 free throw attempts, and 11.9 PR. So the stats are saying something's dipped. The eye test are saying, I, went, I actually went back and watched some YouTube of him in 15 and 16. 16, game seven, he played oh, one of the great random points. games. Yeah, he like six threes. And was all over the place and just athletically, man, go back and watch that and watch the Draymond we're watching now. That guy was like a robo-athlete. And this mm. guy now is just a little more on the ground. And I think, you know, his stats were okay today, but the offense has gone sideways. I still feel like Kerr might even be playing him too much how he's playing him anyway. I know he got benched today, but Looney is just a better fit for this team. So something something interesting to watch down the road. What do you got, Wes? At the same time, it's a delicate dance because if you do say, you know, I'm going to lean into this Jordan Poole thing, um, man, you're downsizing in a crazy way and you will suffer the consequences defensively. Uh, so it's like this it's this dance when you don't have two-way guys, guys who contribute on both ends of the floor. Steve Kerr is earning his paycheck in this series, man. And and that's 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 the beauty of a seven-game series, Bill. It's like this chess match. And Steve Kerr was masterful at it tonight. We'll see what he comes up with going forward because th there are no easy answers here. I guarantee, I guarantee before this game, he was like, rebound, rebound, we got to rebound, rebound. I remember I was texting him before the, we, we've stopped texting during the finals. We're going to pick up this summer. Um, but he was saying that one of the things they loved about Wiggins and one of the things they really worked on him that he's come through on is the rebounding. Mm. That especially if they play these smaller lineups, he just has to feel some sort of responsibility and passion for it versus like just assuming other people will do it, right? He had some, it's weird that sometimes somebody can just have like five of the biggest rebounds in the game and it just felt like he did. And I, the realized potential of that, I know it's been a big storyline this whole playoffs, but can you imagine us two years ago if somebody just took a videotape of that game from a time machine and showed us Wiggins in this game be like, yeah, that guy in Minnesota who they, they literally can't trade his contract, watch this guy. Because tonight he was a playoff guy. Well, the rebounds in particular, like that was the thing in Minnesota early in his career. He was the he most athletic guy in the league. He would, he would get like three and four rebounds a game. The staff was like pleading, desperate, exasperated, trying to figure out how to get him to rebound more, how to get him to like plug in and like per even just participate in that way. And the idea that he would have a massive rebounding game, not only in volume, but as we've been circling, in magnitude, mm. pulling down some of those opportunities, turning them into essential baskets down the stretch of a must-win finals game, I think that's as significant as any other part of his transformation. Like, you know, he's a go-to defender now. He's do, you know, he's he's playing his role offensively. This is completely unfounded in terms of a guy like him early in his career who is one of the worst positional rebounders in the league becoming this guy, becoming a guy who can help you play small. That's incredible. That's an incredible player development success story. By the way, I want to give a, a shout out to Jeff Van Gundy who I still think is the best color guy that we have in the league. Because he mentioned, he's like, look, if Rob Williams is going to fly out on all this weak side help and erasing shots and affecting shots in the paint and, you know, causing all of these misses, the forwards 
need to crash the boards. Draymond has to crash the boards. Uh, Wiggins has to crash the boards. And then you saw the Warriors actually doing that. Draymond had a couple of putbacks. We already talked about what Wiggins did. Looney, that dude, he gets his hands on a ball. It's like super glued to his hands. Like he is just an insane rebounder. Um, and and look, Tom Lord is great when he's when he's flying around, but there is a con to that, and the Warriors were lucky enough to exploit that tonight. All right, we got to do it. I got to complain about the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> we did enough stuff, right? I feel like we led with the Warriors. Yeah. We did the responsible thing. Warriors were great tonight. Um, that was a hostile environment. God, man. This was little flashbacks of Game 5 Milwaukee where um, you just feel like you let one slip away. I don't feel like the series is over by any means. The Celtics team, they sweep the Nets. They're 10-8 and eight in their last 18 games. <laughs> Three rounds. They have not won more than two in a row. It's the ultimate, we zig, then we zag, then we zig, then we zag. And it's almost like I, they remind me of me in college. I got this term paper due Wednesday. When should I start it? Oh, I know. Tuesday at nine o'clock. <laughs> I'm going to try to start, I'll start it then. When do I finish? Ah, probably like 530. I'll just, I'll drink some Coke and coffee and, and I'll get that thing done. But you need that deadline. Rob, is this Celtics team just, they just have to have their backs to the wall. That's it. Why do they have to make it so hard for themselves? What's your take? I mean, I wish I could figure it out. They certainly can't figure it out. They're, they're so weird. And like, I don't know, it wasn't as if they had some intensity deficit in this they game. No. I, like, th like, this was an incredible atmosphere, an intense game, almost start to finish. I thought they were in it. Well, it's, did you see that nobody had a lead of more than seven? Basically, wow, until that, the last minute, until the last oh. minute of the game. Anyway, I interrupted you. No, but just an incredible give and take in that respect. But I mean, it, it all, usually is their offense, right? That teeters. That's kind of the side of the ball in which they're a little bit less reliable. I don't know where it comes from exactly. I mean, you could blame the fact that in some of these big spots, the ball finds its way to Marcus Smart to take consecutive threes, you know, on, even sometimes on one possession with offensive rebounds. Sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's like we like you talked about Tatum kind of, I don't know about disappearing, but fading into the background of this game a little bit after the first quarter. I, I no, really you can say a, dis disappearing might be the right word. I don't think that's entirely fair to <laughs> yeah, him. Might, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not against it. I, you know, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hang it on him, but if you were gonna like make the take, I wouldn't like fight you on it. No, he, no, I am not making a, the take. Where it's more of a, are you the guy who scored forty six game six Milwaukee, or are you the guy that looks like two thousand eighteen? You're a rookie in the league and you can't solve anything, and that's been the conundrum with him all year. How well, some games you look like you can solve every defense and you're seeing everything in slow motion and you're making all the right decisions. And other, other times you have seven turnovers in the third quarter when your team has multiple chances to kind of blow the game open and put in double digits and you're just throwing the ball to the other team. Well, to be frank, I mean, that's why he's not Steph. That's why yeah. he's not Giannis or like whoever you want to put in that top tier. He's in that next group of players. And that, that may be good enough to win a championship anyway, but you're going to have to live with some of the ebbs and flows of, of that reality. Yeah, and the crazy thing for Tatum for me is that I've always been somebody complained about his settling for these step-back long twos, like being his go-to move. Um, 
I'm starting to think maybe he should just stick to jump shots <laughs> because some of these forays into the lane, like in game three, he made some of the most impossible runners, running, diving type of layups and missed some bunnies at the cup. And today was a little bit more of the same. Like he just could not finish in the lane. And, you know, the thing about Bielitsa, who we mentioned earlier, like if you're a jitterbug, yeah, you're going to dribble right past him. But Tatum is not that kind of guy. He's not this quick first step kind of guy. He's a guy that has to get an angle on you and his broad shoulders, you know, sort of win the day after that. And he's a guy who's good at creating space. But like some of these turnarounds from 14 where it's like, look, it's it's a pretty clean look, right? It's pretty contested. But like in the playoffs against a defense of the caliber of the Warriors, like you're going to get a fall away from 14 feet. And that's that's not a terrible outcome. He just doesn't seem to be making those either. Um, maybe yeah, too many long around. twos too. The long two. I, I'm with you. The 14 footer is his bread and butter. The finishing around the rim is the perplexing thing to me. This is something that has kind of plagued him a little bit over the years, where he just goes in these stretches. Like at the game three, he must have missed five laps. The ones today, he would have these great drives, and then he just wouldn't finish. And it's not like the Warriors have Matumbo in the you know, patrolling the defense. They got, I, uh, they got loony, you know, they got, they got a loonzo <laughs> down there. I have more Tatum thoughts, but we're going to take a break. So you look at Tatum first two rounds, he was 28, six and six, 44, 39, 82 percentage. And looked like he was on his way to, you know, if the Celtics won the title, like one of the, you know, a really high end forward performance, right? You think like, not as high as 2012 LeBron, something like that, but, or maybe even 2011 Dirk. But, you know, the best forward on a title team, it seemed conceivable. His last 12 games in the last two rounds, it's dipped. Like, he's getting the rebounds, but he's, he's under 24 points a game now. The free throw percentage is down basically at 40, and the turnovers are up. On the flip side, Jalen's numbers are up across the board. Jalen in the first two rounds was 22, 7, and 4. Now he's probably like 25, 8, and 3. And in some ways, they seem way more even than I think people thought three rounds ago, right? What do you guys see? You're not Celtics fans. What do you see, Wes? In the finals, I'm not going to lie, Jalen Brown has kind of blown me away. Um, and he's been doing so. Like, if anybody's been killing their matchups, whenever he gets somebody who isn't good enough, it's been him. And he even got some stuff going against Draymond Green, who was universally accepted as a defensive player of the year, all-time great defender, um, even at a diminished state. And he's gotten off against Green. Like, I think he's been their most consistent offensive threat. Like, and we think of Tatum as that guy. And Tatum has has done the playmaking stuff to a good degree, but then he's had some boneheaded turnovers, right? So yeah, I've been I've been very impressed by what Brown has been able to do in this series and generally speaking in the playoffs. And he's doing it without a handle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. We we can't gloss over the playmaking part of that though, because I think mm -hmm. what part of what makes Jalen Brown so well suited to attack in those situations is he's doing it off of the ball swinging from one side of the court to the other, off of Tatum, even if he's not drawing double teams, pulling Draymond into the paint, pulling help defenders into the paint and working around them. I think his passing has been really good. Even in this game, I thought it was really good. It's just not enough, you know, on, on a game where Steph has the night he does 
to also be shooting poorly from the field offensively in the way that Tatum has. Like that's the thing. Just some of the inexplicable misses, whether they're mid range, whether they're at the rim, whether he's playing for contact, which he does a lot and doesn't get calls. It's it's been a tough scoring se- uh, series for him, but the the playmaking the reality is they can't get that anywhere else. He's the only guy on their team who can mm-hmm. facilitate in that way, and that puts him in a good position to do that, and Brown in a good position to be the killer on the weak side attacking from those passes. And that's why White's so important, and the team kind of ebbs. In. If White plays really well, that I think they're really really hard to beat, especially in this series. When White's a little more up and down, it, it gets tough. Yeah, listen, I was on some threads. As you know, I'm on a couple Celtics threads. <laughs> Up five when Jalen made those two layups, 7.30 left. And it was like, all right, if they win this game, like the finals MVP bandwagon is going to be going by Jalen Brown's house. Yeah. You know, it seemed like he was in the pole position. You know, now it's 2-2. If the Warriors win, I, I think it's pretty clear who would win the finals MVP. But what's weird about the Celtics is the series 2-2. I have no idea who the, who their finals MVP candidate would be, I guess begrudgingly be Jalen. I think Rob makes some good points, though. J- Tatum's job is harder in this series. Yep. He's doing and the he, superstar stuff. Yep. Yes. When, well, yeah, he's the one that's drawing help. He's the one that, you know, as soon as he sees a guy on the weak side step his foot and he's whipping that thing, that skip pass, that one-handed skip pass to guys. Like, he's doing the, 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 the heavy usage, playmaking, create for other stuff. And, you know, Jalen has been freed up to just kind of be himself and attack guys, which has worked for him. But, you know, they do need they they need Tatum scoring. They need it. They can't win this series without it. Is it fair to say Tatum and Brown are the best two man combo in the league right now? I remember I always used to do this two man championship belt thing. And obviously there was years like, you know, 2016. It's clearly LeBron and Kyrie, right, coming out of that. And then the next two years, it's clearly KD and Curry all the way through when KD, you know, gets hurt. And then 2020, it's clearly Davis and LeBron. And then last year, it's Giannis and probably Middleton because Middleton was great in the playoffs. This year, we don't have like the, I don't know who the two-man championship belt is. It's almost like Curry and any teammate, but I don't even know if that's a pick. It felt like it was sitting there for Tatum and Brown to go down as this, you know, pretty amazing young combination of these 225 guys. Brown passed 500 points today. To put that in perspective, teammates with 500 plus points in the same playoffs. I was working on this on the plane because I knew it might be coming. 2021, Giannis and Middleton. 2020, LeBron and AD. 16, Kyrie and LeBron. 2014, KD and Russ. Only time we didn't have finals guys in there. 12, Wade and LeBron. 2008, Garnett and Pippen. I mean, uh, Pierce. And then 02, Kobe and Shaq. So this is only the eighth time this has ever happened in the history of the NBA. Now, we play more playoff games, so you have more of a chance to do it, but that ain't nothing. And then you look at like some of the Tatum stuff where it's like 900 minutes in the playoffs, 500 points, 150 rebounds, 125 assists. It's basically Tatum, 2003, Duncan, 2018, LeBron. 12 13 LeBron and 80 47 Bird. So, from a historic standpoint, I think the aliens 100 years from now will be looking at this kind of <laughs> more impressed than I think I am right now. Isn't it <laughs> weird to think like we're, I'm through just through some big names around there, but it doesn't feel like they're even close to the level, right? I, 
I mean, you got it. Look, the Celtics team around him is fairly talented, right? Like, it's rare that you get a guy like Time Lord is like your fourth best player, fifth best player, right? Like, they got a talented group around them. And, and I think when Kawhi and Paul George are right, I think yeah. they're better. Um, but those dudes are never that, right. When's that going to be? Exactly. <laughs> what year are we talking about? Those dudes are never, they never physically hold up. So I, I think you got to give it to Brown and Tatum at this point. And look, man, they're two wins away from an NBA championship. You know what I mean? And they they almost pulled this one out. Um, so I, I I hesitate to be really hard on the young fellas. Um, and, and, you know, I think these are guys who clearly have stuff they can get better at, which is pretty cool. And even if they're not the best duo, they're the most balanced duo. They can do so much on the court. They can interchange spots, roles, like offense, defense, all that stuff. And, you know, if you're going to make an argument, it would be for a... Steph and teammate, Giannis and teammate kind of combination. Because otherwise, there's just not a lot of guys who have this kind of playoff validation and skill and now potential to get even better than this. Rob, I think this was either the Celtics' fifth or sixth home loss in the playoffs. And they swept the Nets. But game one, they probably should have lost. They get that miracle Tatum layup at the buzzer. Have you ever seen a team that has depth and good role players, allegedly, (laughs) <laughs> and young legs who is more inept at home for what the upside should be. Like, look at tonight. Grant Williams, no show. 13 minutes, he sucked. Pritchard, 10 minutes, had a three at one point that I think would have brought the house down, missed it. They got nothing from him. These were the guys that came through in game seven. Usually when you have crowds like that, the role players are the ones yeah. that rise to the occasion. And yet it's not happening with the Celtics team. I guess Rob Williams did. But other than that, nobody. I I just, when you look at, like, I'm too attached. I've watched them for too long. When you look at this team, it's an odd team, right? Like, this is weird. It is weird, but we knew that they were weird. We knew that they basically had eight players. And if even one of those players doesn't show up in a game, it costs them real, like, there are real consequences to that. They don't have any alternatives to playing these eight guys other than maybe they could go to seven and play Tatum and Brown 45 minutes, 46 minutes if they really needed to. That's it. Like, there, there is no margin for error with that group. And so, yeah, like a bad Grant Williams game is painful when you need him to be on the floor against the Warriors. But it's not like Golden State has a lot of options either. Like, we're, we're talking hmm. about, you know, can they, can they keep Jordan Poole on the floor is the kind of problem they have right now. So it's, it's going around for sure. Waz, well, your take on the Celtics just being a fucking weird team? My thing is like their half court offense. Like when 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 it gets down to what I like to call nut crunching time, mm. it can just devolve into just like and Marcus Smart, God bless him, his I got this. It's like, do you though? Like maybe but he, he almost got this. He almost did got this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I get it, but like you know, and so that that's my thing with this group is like. Oftentimes in the half court, they just don't play up to the level of their talent um, a lot of times. And against it, like, it's not like Golden State's defense doesn't have just is like impenetrable at five spots. You should be able to generate some decent stuff against these guys. That's the thing really that confounds me is that like, you know, in the biggest moments sometimes just just like against a set defense, they look like bad news bears. Well, you know, I was looking back over the course of history, like the worst teams that have 
won the title, just record-wise. The three were since the merger. The 78 Bullets were 44 and 38. Wow. The 77 Blazers were 49 and 33. And the 95 Rockets were 47 and 35. So then the Bullets went 14 and 7. So they finished with a record of 58 and 45. They won the title. The Rockets finished 61 and 42. And then the 77 Blazers finished 63 and 38. The Celtics right now, they're 51 and 31 and they're 14 and 8. So they're 65 and 39. It's really hard to find a lot of teams that are like basically 20 games or under for a win differential for a season. Like the nine, the 75 Warriors were 16-39. The, uh, the 69 Celtics were 58-40. and 40. I guess we should have expected this finals to be super weird because the Warriors didn't have a really good record either, right? And it, we don't have like that dominant team that just when push comes to shove, they can just rely on their stuff. The Warriors have Curry. And I guess we're going to find out what the Celtics have because now it's the best two or three. What do they have? What are you? Are you a team that night to night anyone can step up? Or are you a team where Tatum now is going to have to be the guy as we head into a best two out of three? They're more probably closer to the 04 Pistons where they have like the four to five guys that you just kind of don't know game to game. But it's really rare for those teams to win titles. That The 04 Pistons are a complete anomaly. I so I don't know. I think what the Celtics have is that they're bigger, faster, stronger, and in these next three games, they got to be better. That's that's just that's it. You know, um, they, they're they're the more physically gifted team, um, and and it, I think that's borne itself out in these first four games. They just got to go out and do it. I, I wonder if maybe we're out of practice with this coming off of a Warriors dynasty, the Heat before that. That like most champions are flawed, you know. They're yeah. like I think we're in the era of that right now. Like the Lakers, the Bucks, whoever wins this series, these are flawed teams. They're really good and they're able to pull the right things together at the right time, but they have really significant holes and they have great players who can kind of paper over them just enough to to hopefully win four. And that's kind of what you're hanging on to at this point. Well, if I'm in a flawed finals, I want the best player, and right now it's the Warriors. I thought the Celtics were going to win tonight and then lose Game Five. I was very surprised. Um, Steph, what can you say? Um, Rob, what have you heard on the ground? What's what? What's the scuttlebutt? What are people talking about? The finals. What are people talking about in general? I mean, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of Draymond talk. There's a lot of podcast talk, <laughs> an unexpected amount of podcast talk, I would say. It's become front and center in the NBA finals somehow. Uh, we'll see if that gets put to bed. But I think there's been a lot of, consideration about Steph's history, Steph's greatness that will only continue after a game like this. The, the finals MVP talk is only going to, to intensify from here. Maybe even if, if the Celtics win, like I, Steph has been so far and away the best player in this series. I'm open to close. that argument. I'm open to the argument he should win even if they lose the Period. series. Uh, this, is, this is an incredible moment for him. I, I think we're going to keep spiraling that theme for the next week or so. Yeah, it feels like because now we have three more ga- days until game five, and this feels like the Steph referendum of, which is so funny for the people who were there the whole time, like me. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like, wait a second, Steph Curry's one of the most unbelievable players I've ever seen. I, He did, this is the last thing he needed, though, assuming, you know, let's say they win the best, the two of the next three, they win the title. This was the last piece for him. He already had a great career. He already won the MVP, but he didn't have that signature 
Hakeem in 94 and 95, you know, uh, Bird in 86, where you're just like so clearly the dominant guy in a playoff run. Um, it was, it's the last thing for him. Now it's sitting there for him. And the thing about him, and Rob, you've, you've, you've been, you're in the Bay and you've obviously spent some time around the team. I do think he thinks about this stuff and I do think he's aware of it. I think some of these guys are either blissfully unaware or completely unaware. But I think, I think Steph's like a student of the game. I think he came into the game as a real basketball fan. He grew up as the son of a player. I think he gets it. And, you know, I'm not saying that's propelling him to new heights, but I think he understands what this means. Like, there's always that little asterisk of the KD, the two titles, or, oh, in 2015, the only reason you won is because this happened and they blew game seven at home in 16. This kind of needs this one, right? This is like the the Will Smith King Richard Oscar without the violence. Was I needed a laugh on that one? I, I made a King Richard joke. But I feel like you're. Are we? Are we laughing? Are we laughing? Come on, that was. Now? Is that Come on it's are? been three months. We can't laugh at Will Smith jokes. Uh, anyway, Rob, what do you think? Oh my god! I, you know, I, I think I think you're right. I mean, Steph is obviously hyper aware of his place in the history of the league in terms of the Finals MVP stuff, all of that. He's made aware of it, even if he doesn't want to be. I think he has his priorities in check in terms of what winning basketball looks like and what he needs to do. But you can't watch that ceremony in the Western Conference Finals when he got basically a token conf- like Finals MVP trophy and the way he and his teammates celebrated and tell me that wouldn't mean something to him. The, the games like this and performances like this. In the first quarter of this game, he ran full court to chew out some fans along <laughs> the baseline. Like clearly not only does it matter to him to win, but to win in this way, dominating on these terms, it's huge. We had Marcus on our show um, a couple of weeks ago and he was, he was talking about a conversation he had with Steph and he said, Marcus Thompson of the athletic, of course. And he said, uh, I'm telling Steph like, dude, you're a made man. Like everybody's giving it up to you. Like even LeBron is sucking up to you in public. Like, you're done. Like, you did it. Like, you're a made guy. And Marcus said Steph's response was, all it takes is one flop and they'll be right back on my ass. So, like, he is hyper aware of what he needs to do and what he how he thinks people are going to feel about him if he doesn't. And so his play has just, just been proof of that, man. And look, we we the three of us watch so much NBA basketball just shitty Orlando Magic games in January. <laughs> and like all of this crap, this long slog of a season, this is what we do it for, man. Like nights like tonight where Steph Curry comes out and just plays a level of basketball that, I mean, Mike, LeBron, you know, there's only like a few people who have ever been this incredibly dominant. So like, it, it, I'm just really happy we're getting to watch him here, man. You know, the other thing, the great road win is a special kind of win for these teams. I remember Kurt, Kurt talking about that once. Like, it's always fun to win, obviously, and have the big close games. But when you do it on the road and you shut the other team up, it's, oh. it's, it's the most adversity you're going to hit. And when you can come through that, come out of the other side, those are, I mean, those are pretty much all of my favorite Celtic wins are the ones, the road ones, the ones when, when they just cut the heart out of somebody, walked off. You know, back in the 80s, Mikhail putting his hairy armpits up as he walked out of an arena. 
And you could feel it today with the words. You could see it on the bench too on the TV. Like those guys were standing up. They like it was a way different energy. I felt like than uh than Game Three. And to shut up that crowd, man. I they said the decibels were like 112 in the first. <laughs> which was like a jet taking off or something. And I think, I think that was the blood alcohol level too. It was, it was incredibly loud in here. I'll say like the crowd gave a standing ovation for Eddie house. That was louder than anything I've heard in any other arena this season. That's hilarious. Did you hear any, any Durant buzz walking around Mahoney the last couple of days? Any, haven't, haven't any heard a lot gossip? about Kevin Durant lately. What 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 gossip front is there for Kevin Durant right now? I don't know, man. I'm I'm watching that one. KOC and I talked about it a couple of days ago, but what's going on with the Nets? I think, you know, because these finals is going to end. It could be by Father's Day. It could be Thursday night. Who the hell knows? But we're immediately going to go into Donovan Mitchell, Durant, yep. um, who are the top three guys, that, and it's going to be happening Aiden, overnight. Yeah. Oh yeah, there there's Zach some big chess pieces. Zach yeah. Levine, who now <laughs> seems like he's available. James Harden. Yeah. What's yeah. he what the hell is it? Is Philly gonna resign him? We're yep. we're gonna it's gonna be that season right away. And um, you know, it seems but like let's, a million let's, let's let's enjoy actual basketball for yeah. now, Good point. Do you feel do you feel sad that we're almost done, Wes? You starting to get pangs? Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. We had three games left. Uh, and then, we're, uh, and then that's it. Absolutely not. I'll, I'm looking forward to hanging out and chilling and not being expected to be smart about the NBA <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm but but I'm really loving this series though. Like, I, I tweeted, I was like, this is the best possible matchup that we could have gotten, in my opinion. And I think these two teams have lived up to it. This is, like, extremely high-level basketball, man. Well, I'll tell you this, guys. Giannis for two weeks was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I went I went to the game three, and I said, I said to my dad at one point, I was like, it's just so nice to go to Celtic playoff games and not have Giannis just kind of wandering around the court like an alien and just every fast break you're aware of him and it was just so nice to just not have him in a series and then then we shift immediately to Steph it's like going from a haunted house to a haunted house these are the two scariest guys in the league I mean I'm sure as you said I mean part of you wants Steph to hurt you though you know there's a part deep down now they're games I, like this. I, you know, I wish I could agree with you on that, but man, <laughs> I'm not rooting for him at all. And I've even been able to work up like a tiny bit of antipathy for him. I got to say. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Cause I do think he pushes off a little on the drives. Definitely. I do think he dives into people a tiny bit. Um, but I mean, the rest of the guys, Clay, I was surprisingly easy to root against. <laughs> I mean, I find him annoying now. I just have to complete 180 on him. <laughs> It's like, who do you think you are, Clay Thompson? Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously Draymond has been a delight as a villain. And especially like a little bit of a diminished villain. You know, it's a little like Schwarzenegger in the Batman movie. Yeah, my, my favorite my favorite Draymond moment of this series, and I don't know if it will be topped, is when he used Jalen Brown as an Ottoman and like <laughs> pretended, he pretended like, what? Oh, I'm just putting my leg there. It's like, yo, this guy is, he's just another level of troll. That was a normal basketball move was, find a new yeah. slant. <laughs> yeah, they do it. They do have more tricks than I think they get credit for. I think they're, assumed to be this classy team, but Clay is really good at just shoving the guy backwards into the guy who's shooting when he's being screened and they do have some stuff. All right. We're uh we're gonna wrap up. Waz, 
Rob Mahoney. It was uh, it was it was great to see you. I don't really like the circumstances. Two two headed back to Boston uh, to Golden State for Game Five. I'm going to be back with Priscilla on Sunday night. This podcast was produced by Kyle Creighton. Thanks to Dylan Berkey and Steve Cerruti as well. See you on Sunday night.